Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of What Are You Talking About? Uh, just two brothers talking about sports. We're lifetime sports fans. We love everything from the NFL to the MLB to the NBA, college sports. Maybe we'll talk some high school sports at some point. With me, as always, is my older brother, Chris. What's going on, Chris? Not much. I'm riding on cloud nine, yeah, though. My yeah, Patriots won yeah. the Super Bowl. I can't believe we're about to talk about the Patriots winning another Super Bowl. Believe it, man. <laughs> You get the you get the first ever. What were you thinking, peeking the Seahawks? Oh yeah, I'm I'm at a loss for words. It, we were so close to talking about uh, a Seahawks victory. Yeah, very close. About one yard away. Yeah, one yard, yeah. One stupid about call one away. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a head scratcher, but we'll 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 get to all that in a minute. Yeah, for sure. So, what were your what were your initial thoughts on the game? Well, the initial thoughts are um, New England definitely won it. Uh, we we're going to talk about the call, the infamous call, in a minute. But New New England definitely won the game. They were down twenty seven to fourteen, and Tom Brady showed us why he's going to be. Or excuse me, it wasn't twenty seven to fourteen. It was twenty four. 14 my bad Mm -hmm. but Tom Brady showed us why uh, you know he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats if not the greatest ever Uh, 37 to 50 for the game NFL or Super Bowl record for completions four touchdowns yeah he had those two interceptions early but he rebounded Uh, the Patriots defense was also very big in that fourth quarter holding Seattle to nothing no points shut them out and honestly, the defense, I thought, played very well against Marshawn Lynch, even though he got 102 yards. His longest run of the day was only 15 yards, and it didn't look like he had that signature run, that run that really, you know, amped him up like he did in the second half of the Packers game. Right, that, I felt that the, last run that he had, that 15-yarder, that was as close to beast mode as we saw. There was a goal line run that right. was pretty vicious as well but other than that there was nothing even close you're right right and 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 like you in the Packers game against the NFC championship you could feel in the second half the team feeding off of him he was punishing them a bit I don't think he had an impact on the game very much I, I think I mean he had 102 yards good stat line but I don't think he had much of an impact in the game and I honestly don't think Russell Wilson had much of an impact either yeah he threw relatively well he had the one interception late he was sacked three times three times I mean I don't think he had many big runs he was 12 21 yeah he completed some good passes but I thought I thought Wilson and Lynch just did not have a a, a sort of you know stamp impact I, I thought that they played well but they didn't you know Tom Brady you could feel him taking over that game yeah later as it was going on in the fourth quarter the other two guys i just don't feel had that kind of an impact yeah. and, and you got to give credit to New wilson England. he was he had three rushes for 31 yards so when he did decide to run it he he got some decent yardage there were a lot of plays where he just th- there were there was nobody open and he was indecisive mm-hmm. with what to do with it there was relatively little pass rush on him despite the sacks they were mostly coverage sacks and i think the secondary played above and beyond the level that we expected we thought that that was going to be new england's strong point but then the coverage carried over to also getting 
the front seven time to get to Russell Wilson. So mm-hmm. they, they played above the level, I think. You are absolutely right. There were times where Russell Wilson had, and I'm not exaggerating here, seven seconds to throw the yeah, ball. Yeah, it was like five to seven absolutely. seconds. And, and he just was just standing there and standing there. And you wanted him to run because they were only rushing three or four. But he had nothing. And, and you're right, that secondary played exceptionally well. Uh, for the most part of the game, I mean, you know, we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from Seattle either. They scored 24 points. They certainly came dangerously close to winning that game. Uh, you got to give Pete Carroll credit at that halftime call for going for that touchdown instead of just settling for the field goal. I, I agreed with that call. I thought it was a good mm-hmm. call, and it, and it paid off. But at the end of the day, New England just made one more play, and this is the play that's going to haunt Seattle for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. It was very close to being a play that was going to haunt New England for a long time. That Jermaine Curse circus catch. Um, I couldn't believe it. And I've been kind of, I've been kind of trolling some people on Facebook halfway because, you know, I, I am a Patriots fan, and when that catch happened, the first thing I shouted was, "How can Des Bryant's be incomplete and that be a catch?" And so I looked up the rule and posted on Facebook and started. You know, asking whether or not you know it should be right, right. actually a catch, but uh, then a couple plays later, it's clearly the most questionable call in a long time. And and what did you think of Pete Carroll's decision to throw on second down? Uh, it was it's mind-boggling, and I know that's the easy thing to say, but Marshawn Lynch is behind you. You have three chances. You have less than a yard to go to win the game let's go like do this is what the seattle seahawks team is meant to do is to just smash it in he already did it once during the game do it i i would be in disbelief if they stopped marshawn lynch three times at the goal line with less than a yard to go and if they did that'd be the most epic goal line stand ever and instead, we're talking about a coaching decision and not watching your best player go up against a, a, a defense trying to win you the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the loss by squarely on Pete Carroll, a game this close, you can isolate the game to a couple key plays, and that is the biggest play of them all. And it was a coaching decision. It wasn't Russell Wilson's fault. The, if the cornerback, uh, what was his name? Uh, Malcolm Butler. Yeah, if Butler was at millimeter of a second late he would have the Seahawks receiver would have caught the ball you know it was that close he would he had a play on the ball it would have been a touchdown but you don't you don't risk that interception at that situation in the game with Marshawn Lynch behind you 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 just don't do that it's stupid well yeah I, I have a couple thoughts about it first it was second down and the Patriots elected not to take one of their two timeouts so they made an odd decision to milk that clock. And I do think that caught Seattle off guard a little bit. I think that they were expecting that timeout, and they were expecting more time to talk about the play. I don't think they should have needed it because it should have been Marshawn Lynch. However, I will point out one thing. Seattle only had, I believe, one timeout left. So they had to throw the ball one of those three downs because you can run it on fourth down and you can run it on second or third down, but you can only stop the clock one more time. And with the Patriots milking that down all the way to 26 seconds, it would have forced Seattle Mm -hmm. 
to run a pass play on either second or third down. So that's one angle I don't think people are looking at as much. However, I do disagree with the call. I think we are on the one-yard line, second down, run Lynch, because the Patriots milking that clock down if they stop Lynch are probably going to take their timeout instead of making you take yours. So I do think that they they probably could have run Lynch three times. I just kind of contradicted a lot of what I just said there. (laughs) But at the same time, they did only have one timeout left. So Don't don't call that play a a quick step back slant across the middle, run like a a little bootleg, get a little, get Russell Wilson outside of the pocket, make it have one matchup. If it's not there, throw it away. And then you stop the clock. Then you can call your next two plays. The, the play call in it, in and of itself at the goal line, if you're going to call a pass, why call that pass? That, that seems silly to me as well. Well, and I agree with that. I think the best move is to, if you're going to do a pass, do a play fake to Lynch and get Wilson outside of the pocket, as you said, because now you're making the defense think about Lynch. You're making the defense think about Wilson's leg and the pass. they got to defend a lot on that play. And if nothing's there, Wilson can always throw it out of the back of the end zone. No harm, no foul. I agree with that. I think I think they could have called a better play. The play they called was actually more of a, a Tom Brady-type play, not a Russell Wilson-type yeah. play. You know, Tom Brady's the kind of guy who wants that quick slant but Russell Wilson's going to want to get out of the pocket and kind of, you know, either make things happen with his legs or, or, or hit the open receiver and get a defender kind of playing pick him. Right. And that's a no-win scenario. Yeah. Tom Brady had a really good game. I give him props. Uh, he was the entire source of the New England offense. New England was held to 52 yards rushing. So Tom Brady was responsible for nearly all of it, all of the offense of moving the ball. Uh, there was they had called a, a near perfect offensive plan against the Seahawks. You can't throw deep against the Seahawks. They're too talented in the secondary. You can't run the ball at the Seahawks because the front seven's too good. So what do you do? You you dump it off and you run these bubble screens, these quick little routes. Uh, you run a couple legal picks uh you dump it off to Shane Vereen to pick up some yards I mean Tom Brady had 37 completions but he only had 320 yards you know (laughs) he was it you'd think if he threw the ball 50 times in a game he would have over 500 yards but he fought for every every inch of that and you know I I call the lower level quarterbacks especially the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks captain checkdown because they always just dump it off to the <laughs> running back. And I thought last night, Tom Brady, he was general check down. Like he, yeah. he did that game <laughs> to perfection, and it beat the best defense that we've seen in a really long time. So credit to him, credit to the OC, credit to Bill Belichick. They called a perfect game. Yeah, and, and you, you, you touched on a point. It's been a long time since we've seen this defense that's dominant. You'd probably have to go back to the time the Patriots won back-to-back Super Bowls, and, and if not them, then the Tampa Bay Bucks or, or the Baltimore Ravens of the of 2000. But, yeah. I mean, a really dominant. Like, the Giants won a Super Bowl on their defense, but I wouldn't say that they were a lockdown. Yeah, they won it on, on their pass defense. rush. They had a, a dominant right. pass rush, but there's no – there weren't playmakers all across the board like Seahawks. I'd say the last one closest would probably be the 2006 Bears. Yeah, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, they definitely were 
very dominant. Yeah. Um, but they were held down by that Rex Grossman guy, right. and yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you're right. I mean, Tom Brady, you know, 37 completions, 320 yards. I mean, he didn't even average out to 10 yards of completion. So I mean, yeah. he was he was checking it down. Not a lot of deep throws, but those quick slot wide receivers and Shane Vereen just getting open underneath and and making great catches and you know getting some yards after the catch but but nothing too much because I mean again he only had 120 yards right. and uh yeah I think he was very deserving of the uh Super Bowl MVP award yeah. time and time again I saw a Seahawks secondary player jump the route like they knew the route was coming they knew the ball was coming their way the wide receivers were just so shifty that they, the guy missed, and then they picked up between 6 and 10 yards. And that happened, I remember seeing it happen about three or four times with each time it being a different Seahawks secondary member. They just couldn't they couldn't stop it, and that was pretty astounding to me, but props to them. And when, when you talk about Brady, I mean, now he's got four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs, both tying Joe Montana. The Super Bowl's also tying Terry Bradshaw. Two regular season MVPs and a 16-0 and season. I had to get the 4-3-2-1 countdown going. That's <laughs> what I was going for there. I, I don't see how he's not the best of all time. It'd be hard to argue against him. Uh, that being said, the quarterback position has evolved a lot, so it's hard to compare him to even the Joe Montana in a statistical way but he's right there if you're talking about the top quarterbacks you have to you have to now compare the next top quarterback to Tom Brady there's no more discussion of does he belong with Joe Montana Terry Bradshaw Uh, he's there with them he's he's reached that point yeah he's certainly in the top four and I say top four because of the Mount Rush everyone likes to make their own Mount Rush more yeah I kind of hate that I certainly put him in the top four (laughs) yeah I know but I mean, for me, it would be him, Montana, and then you got to give some props to the guys even before then, like Johnny Unitas and Otto Graham. Right. Yeah. Who, I mean, even before Montana, the quarterback position was so different then. You can't compare them statistically, but I, Johnny Unitas played in two Super Bowls, won one. But even before that, he won a couple NFL championships. So he has multi, He has three championships to his name. And anytime you're a quarterback involved in what's known as the greatest game ever played, the NFL game, the the big televised NFL game, yeah. uh, you know it's hard not to include him. Otto Graham, you and I both know as Cleveland fans. Uh, it's like anything that happens before the Super Bowl gets forgotten about, but the guy won seven championships, four of them in the AAFL, right, right. Uh, three in the NFL, six got to six NFL championship games. I mean, he's got to be up there, even though his statistics will never compare to what Tom Brady has thrown yeah. uh, yardage-wise. You know, pure quantitative statistics, it's, it's not even fair. But, yeah, I mean, definitely if you look at Brady's generation, he is – head and shoulders above everyone else. Absolutely. I just, you know, for all that Peyton Manning's accomplished, he would be the clear-cut number two with his five regular season MVPs and a Super Bowl ring. Um, Then you kind of would have to debate who else is considered in his generation as Aaron Rodgers next or whatnot, but those are two that stick out in this era. Yeah, it's always always been between them. You know, it's always been Brady versus Manning. Even before 
the season started, there was still a debate. The Super Bowl victory mm-hmm. kind of put that debate to end. Like Tom Brady is now right. ascended to the greatest ever in the generation, right. and and Peyton Manning is a, is a very good close second. And uh, but championships write the narrative. He added another one. He's won four, which is the most. It's like winning six in the NBA. Everybody's chasing right. Michael Jordan six. Uh, he's now joined Terry Bradshaw and, and Joe Montana, so he's he's on top, and you can't you can't argue against it anymore. Yeah. Side note, though, no one talks about Robert Ory. He had seven. Yeah, he tracked <laughs> down Jordan. Well, he tracked down Jordan. There are some NFL players that have <laughs> more kidding. rings than than four, I think, right? Uh, there's one guy who has five, and it was an answer to one of the trivia questions, and I forget him off the top of my head, and I feel shameful because we're we're on a podcast. <laughs> but he but was he was with the Cowboys, I think, in the nineties, and then I, I think he I think he played with the Cowboys in the Forty ers Yeah, but I think he got three with San Fran, and then he got two with Dallas or something, or maybe four with San Fran or something like that. But yeah, he he was on he was in the right place at the right time. Certainly, I mean, it, yeah. yeah, we'll look him up and get back to you on the next yeah, podcast. Definitely, but um, I think I think this victory. Was, helped Tom Brady a lot to to kind of squash the Spygate Deflategate rumors or allegations whatever you want to call them I think if he had gone to the Super Bowl and lost again those things would mm-hmm. still be floating around his head um, and that's what happens when you play your whole career with the same coach and the same organization everything that happens to that to those individuals is lumped with you but since he won Time is going to forget how silly this deflate gate scandal was or time will yeah time's just going to forget the deflate gate scandal cuz it's so silly spygate has already gone away even though it's resurfaced because of deflate gate but it'll go go away again and another super bowl victory helps to put a squash to that so i think that really helps his legacy and it helps bill belichick's legacy as well Oh, and, and it always looks better to have a four and two record instead of a three and three record uh, um, yeah. in anything. And you know, even though you can look at it, it's like, well, okay, he went four and two, but he got to six. You know, Joe Montana was four and zero, oh, but there were two seasons where Tom Brady still took his team further than Joe Montana did. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it, people kind of forget that, but at the same time, if if you look at that three and three record doesn't look as good as form two in anything yeah, and so I, that definitely helps but i agree 100 percent with the spygate thing i think this really kills the notion that spygate helped them for them to get another one so far removed from it it's unfortunate that the flategate popped up because now it being so recent and so near to the super bowl it is going to put doubt in people's minds especially people who don't like the patriots but that is kind of is what it is. I agree with you. I think the Flategate was even sillier than Spygate, but there's still going to be. It's not that 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 one's not going away because the NFL is going to come out with findings and it is going to come back into light in a couple weeks or or whenever they get around to it. Uh, so that's the kind of unfortunate side of things that those things are going to kind of be around. But I agree with you, as time goes on, people are going to forget about that and focus more on the four championships. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. I just don't think that they could get away with widespread cheating, 
especially when the Flategate only lasted them a quarter and a half. They switched yep. out the balls at halftime. So, you know, I, I don't believe that they were widespread cheating. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I, I don't think it's going to tarnish the legacy no matter what the outcome. I mean, I guess it <clears> could <throat> if, you know, it's been going on for years, but I think that's near impossible at this point. Can you believe that I have gone, not only said this, but have recorded this saying that Tom Brady is better than Peyton Manning? No, I can't believe it, man. <laughs> this is crazy. What are you thinking? Yeah, what am I thinking? Yeah, I, <laughs> I've been asking myself that Peyton, all day man. today because hey, I've been man. going back and forth between Put being ridiculous and making like a Skip Bayless argument that Tom Brady sucks <laughs> and being like a rational human being and recognizing that he has beaten Peyton and well, being rational as one of so. <laughs> It's our first podcast. We don't want to scale away our listeners with another Skip Bayless guy. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely glad you came down on, on the side of the fence that you did. Yeah. Um, but we certainly have had our fair share of Manning-Brady debates. Um, it's It's been a little nuclear yeah. Manning-Brady debate. Uh, but, it's the end of the era, I but think. But, yeah, I mean... It, well, and and they they really defined the last fifteen years of football, and and I know it's not just us; it's for a lot of people too. And and it is going to be sad when, because uh, it's coming to an end. Uh, I think it's going to end after next year because I don't think Manning will be play more than one more year. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I mean Brady's thirty-seven years old, so I mean he's not far behind. You know, it's not like Manning's just. It's not like Brady's going to play for five more years after Manning. I think right. Manning. I think Brady's going to be. Uh, close, following about uh, soon after. So, you know, it, it is sad because you know watching them both play, it's it's a it's a very special thing. Absolutely. So, who would Tom Brady? We agreed he was the MVP. Uh, pick the next guy. Who would you? Who would you've given the uh, the unsung hero award to last night? Well, if the Seahawks had won, Chris Matthews, Absolutely. I would have made a very strong case for MVP. I mean, I don't think many people knew his name before this game. Yeah. Well, he's a CF. Those were his first NFL receptions last night. He played in the CFL for years. He was actually, coincidentally, a a Cleveland Brown in training camp in 2011. And he's just bounced around. Um, But a guy that's 6'5 and is over 200 pounds and can catch the ball, he's going to get a lot of chances in the NFL. And Jeez. he got another chance last night, and he, he came up big, real big, over 100 right. yards and a touchdown. Um, I think without him, we would have looked at the Seahawks might have gotten shut out. Like, I really think that he caused some serious problems, and the Patriots weren't ready for it. Yeah, he certainly caught the Patriots off guard. Um, and you, you could just see, I mean, his 6'5 frame, he was athletic, he was making great catches. Uh he kind of gave them that, that he was a true wide receiver like a true has the makeup of a true number one wide receiver the the six five the intangibles the things that you just you can't teach height and things like that right and the patriots weren't expecting that <laughs> and certainly not from a guy like chris matthews and i i would have given him the mvp award had the seahawks won the game um just because you know he 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 was the guy who had an impact on the game. You know, yeah. you were waiting for Wilson and Lynch to have those impactful moments. All of those went to Chris Matthews, and and I agree with you. He kept them in the game that first half. If it weren't for him, you're right. It, it could have gotten real ugly real quick, 
and uh, you know it, it would have been a completely different storyline, obviously. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think he would have um, he would have uh, he, he kept them alive. Uh, if we're going unsung hero, though, I, I would have to give some props to Shane Vereen. Uh, Definitely. People aren't going to be talking about him a lot, but 11 catches, 64 yards, and I felt like they really got him going out of the backfield underneath in the second half, and he had some you know, pretty clutch moments for the Patriots uh, when Brady needed a, needed a big catch. Yeah, they switched from LeGarrette Bunt to Shane Vereen in the second half, and that paid some serious dividends. I think with the safeties worrying so much about Gronkowski, Bobby Wagner and Cam Chancellor were so focused on him, they didn't really have a good game plan for Shane Vereen, probably because they were expecting more LeGarrette Blunt. But uh, the you know I kept thinking last night the Patriots kind of played a game of Madden, where you find the yeah. two or three plays that will always get you a catch, that will always get you ten yards, and they just kept running it over and over again. Like it, that that's just what it felt like. I know it was a lot more complex than that, and you don't call the same play twice in an NFL game, but it, that's what it looked like that they were just dumping it to Shane Vereen every time or Danny Amendola or Julian Edelman were doing these little underneath routes or then they would go over top with Gronk and that, those were the four basic plays of the Patriots offense last night I'm gonna let you know a little secret that's how I used to beat you in Madden all the time <laughs> that right there I used to throw to my running backs out of the backfield all day long yeah that because no one ever covered them I used to put the quickest little guy with the best hand in the backfield Flat route, just dump it off to him, and boom, ten yards, ten yards. I used to have went in my dynasty mode. Work done. Think led the league. (laughs) Work done. (laughs) Going ten years back. Work done. Work done. (laughs) We're going this far back, man. That that's how I I I dominated. So there. Think the ten year secret is unreal. (laughs) Unveiled. Thankfully, the the halfback dump off isn't as successful in the latest iterations of Madden but those plays still exist like you get so comfortable I stopped playing after that when they got rid of me it killed my strategy (laughs) killed it all so so did you but no I mean but yeah I agree with you I mean Shane Vereen was he he gave me flashbacks to the the strategy I used to run in Madden (laughs) yeah and it worked it won them a Super Bowl you're welcome Bill (laughs) You're welcome, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> he was playing some Madden. You can, I think I think each NFL team gets an allotment of like 110 rings or something like that for free. Then they then they have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. Bill, you, I'll get you my address. Yeah, they didn't Cleveland, Ohio. They need to send one that way to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's tight. Hey man, that guy watches Mad Film. He probably has my old Madden Dynasty on something. Yeah, how know. do you get it? But, I don't know. <laughs> were you, were you sending him tapes back then? I maybe maybe he was spying on me. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> was there was there a commercial you liked last night? I was I was partial to the giant Pac Man mm. because I when I saw it I said I want to play that. Yeah, that would be really fun. Like, yeah, like it would that would be awesome. Be chased by those little ghosts in the maze and stuff. That would be sweet. Yeah. Except the thing is though. How would you see them coming? Because you turn, you know, you wouldn't know where they are. Like in Pac-Man, you can see them coming and avoid them. Right. Well, that could be. You know, I, 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 I was just watching a commercial, but it looked like the ghosts were above the wall, so you could like see over oh, okay. the wall. But yeah, it would be a lot harder to if you were in right in the game running around than getting the bird's eye view for sure. Right. 
Uh, giant pac me but they most of them were depressing yeah it was very dark this year all right that that nationwide I mean, commercial with the dead kid yeah. and, and then there's the a couple oh. dad ones that tried to make you cry like right i had to text my dad and say i love you you know <laughs> <laughs> he probably hasn't read it yet though because no one had <laughs> he actually he did respond um about a quarter later but gotcha. i, I like well, the liam neeson one the the taken that was good yeah, made me laugh but. that was good I, I like the other nationwide one with the the invisible the lady who thought she was invisible and she tried to kiss matt damon oh yeah the, with mindy yeah 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 that was funny that was pretty funny they're but, always they're they're always okay you know there's some that are just like right. they're trying too hard and the other ones that are are funny but i don't I, get the I hype felt like they've, <laughs> they've really gone well i feel like over the last 10 years they've really gone downhill like they have slowly deteriorated. Yeah. So, but I mean, the halftime show was over the top, as usual. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you had to figure you were gonna get something over the top from Katy Perry. Yeah, for sure. And she couldn't go the typical over the top Katy Perry route, if you know what I'm talking about. Because right. <laughs> it's a kids show. So riding right. on a mechanical lion, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> how how nervous do you think the NFL was when she came out with the dancing sharks? <laughs> but she had that dress on that kind of reminded you of the Janet Jackson one. Yeah, like it 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 could have you know I was you know I'm sure a lot of people were hoping for the wardrobe malfunction, saw a lot of jokes on the internet about that. Yeah, but how nervous do you think the NFL was when <laughs> she came out? like that because you know i have to imagine there's i'm sure janet jackson had one but now post janet jackson there's probably pages upon pages of contract uh clauses saying if you do anything ridiculous like you're gonna pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars probably somebody was telling me she she interviewed the morning of and said that she totally like PG'd her her acts because she was really scared of of doing anything to to make the NFL right. mad. So I was also nervous for her when she was uh, singing uh, Firework and she got up on that thing. Oh yeah, she was floating around. There was like a little thin platform. Yeah, she did not have a lot of, of room to to be secure. Right. <laughs> right. So hats off to her. And then Missy Elliott made an appearance out of nowhere. That was my favorite part. Sort of flat. I, I think Missy yeah. Elliott for sure. Kind of flashback to the 90s high school yeah yeah stuff like that it was okay i mean the performance was entertaining it was it was spectacle i wasn't expecting like musical performance out of it right Uh, and you can't like in a halftime show it's not it's not a concert it's it's an entertainment it's not a concert it's just you know because she can't do what she does in a live show right on the you know the stage they set up for a 15 minute halftime show yeah that's true you know there's no way they can get that audio to the level of a live concert so yeah. you know it's it's entertainment it was yeah. fun do you have a favorite why not halftime performance uh not really this that's not really my oh no oh, of all time yeah. uh man, i gotta think a little bit I did. I mean, Bruce was all right. 
and uh, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. and I kind of liked U2's way back when too. Yeah, U2's is definitely my favorite. They did the 9/11 yeah. tribute when the uh, with yeah. the where the streets have no name intro, which was yeah pretty awesome and, and pretty emotional. And they ran the names up and down like in the background yeah. or something like that. There was like a running um, list of them. Yeah, that was that was pretty so. awesome and very contemporary yeah. for the time. I think yep. since then the only one that I've been kind of surprised at was Bruno Mars last year because he was actually singing and he yeah. opened with a drum solo which was awesome. Uh, Bruno's actually like yeah, really I talented, so I I was glad that he was able to showcase that. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the best part of last year's game. Yeah, true. Not a lot of people <laughs> saw it. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, kind of transitioning from the Super Bowl here, uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything about the game. But uh, there was some other NFL news going down over the weekend. Uh, Aaron Rodgers winning the uh, league MVP, joining the two-timers club. Yeah. Uh, I think he's deserving. Uh, well, I mean, I think we both think he's deserving. I, I'm not surprised that he won. Yeah, I'm not surprised 12-4 record, 4,300 yards, 38 touchdowns. And, and the, the impressive part to me was only five interceptions. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, in a 16-game season, you only throw five picks. It's pretty crazy. I don't think they sandbagged. Uh, we know they didn't. They had to beat Detroit to win the division. So, uh, yeah. So they definitely didn't rest in Week 17 or anything like that. So. Yeah, he's definitely so, deserving for sure. Uh, I think most nowadays, if you, a quarterback has a great year and the team's good, he's probably gonna get the MVP. Mm-hmm. But JJ Watt is uh, inhuman. He is ridiculous. <sighs> And he took his game to another level this year. And if Aaron Rodgers didn't win the MVP, then, you know, the next man up would win the MVP, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, they would have given it to him. Even I know J.J. Watt came in second, but I'm just saying, like, right. a quarterback was, is always going to get that award. There's only one J.J. Yeah. Watt, though. Uh, his second season of 20-plus sacks, the only guy to ever do that. Uh, mm-hmm. He was unblockable and ridiculous and – you know, the Texans were the worst team in the league last year. They had a winning record, right? They were 9-7. and seven. I, I think they were 8-8. Eight 8-8? Eight eight. Eight eight. I can't remember off the top of my head. I, well, he's, I think they, they were, were in playoff contention late, technically, and he did that. Oh, it, I guess they were 9-7. and seven. They were 9-7? and seven? Uh, If they were in playoff contention late, they were probably 9-7. and seven, Well, right? there's talk of that, you know, there's a scenario where they can make the playoffs in the last few weeks. Right. But he did that with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Uh, yeah. Andre Johnson was too. a non-factor. Arian Foster had a good year, but he was hurt a lot. It was that team's success rode on J.J. Watt, and he was just unreal. I, oh, and there, there's no doubt that um, J.J. Watt was the most valuable player on his team. Um, I think if Houston had made the playoffs, they might have given it to him. Yeah, he that he for a defensive player to win MVP in this quarterback league, he definitely would have had to make the playoffs for sure. And, and I think honestly, the only reason Adrian Peterson won the award a couple years back is because the Vikings made the playoffs. I think if they didn't make the playoffs, though, they would have given it to Peyton Manning. Yeah. And I think that for another position guy to win it, 
you not only have to have a huge season, but you have to show that it led to the playoffs. Because the argument for the quarterbacks is that it's the most important position, and it's the one that correlates the closest with playoff uh, appearances. Right. And if you don't get your team to the playoffs, you really put yourself at a huge disadvantage. And I think that's ultimately why J.J. Watt didn't get more votes and, and didn't win the award. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers had a fantastic season. And he had the quarterback thing going for him. Yeah, he's the um, unquestionable leader of the team. You'd have to dive into advanced statistics to see if J.J. Watt actually was the the leader of the Texans team. You know, you can't you right. can't just watch the team and and measure the value or the impact that Watt had on the Texans. Right. But there's no doubt he's one of the league's most dominant players, and uh, you know, for him to finish second in the MVP running and to win Defensive Player of the Year, I mean, you can't take anything away from him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was glad they gave Offensive Player of the Year to DeMarco Murray. I hate when they give the MVP Offensive Player of the Year um, because I think that since MVP is so slanted towards quarterbacks, they should give another guy Offensive yeah, Player of the Year. they should share the love for sure. Because there's usually always a guy on offense who's not a quarterback, who has a monster year. Yeah. And if we're going to make the MVP the quarterback's only award, they give offensive player of the year to someone else. And I, I'm glad that they did that. See, if I were given the offensive player of the year, I would probably would have named either, and this is probably why they both of them didn't get named it, but either Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. I think they right. both had amazing years and took turns carrying that offense. Oh, they, and they were phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Uh, you know, they, they certainly were uh, were definitely worthy of it. Uh, I think DeMarco Murray got a lot of credit for the uh, Cowboys turnaround. Absolutely. Uh, playing for Dallas certainly helped. But, I mean, it's not like Pittsburgh's a low-profile low franchise. Um, but I do think Dallas kind of had a – I think they were closer to contending than Pittsburgh was. To be honest. Yeah, but but we're talking uh, about offensive player now. MVP is, is you're right. You're that, right. That's where you well, take no, in the playoff I, contention. Well, no, I, I don't think playoff contention was factored into the award, but I think the fact that they were viewed as a stronger contender got him more publicity during the regular season. Okay, yeah, I, I see your point. If that makes well, sense. Well, th- you're on the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, I, you're always going to get. But they're on the That's Steelers. Right? The Steelers are like the poor man's Cowboys in the league. <laughs> poor man's Cowboys. <laughs> there are Steelers <laughs> fans everywhere, man. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, Steelers fans are everywhere. Browns fans are everywhere, too. If the Browns would get a team together, they could be a poor man's Cowboys, too. Definitely. I would rather be a poor man's Packers, though. I feel like the Browns would be a poor man's Packers. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I feel like... I feel like people would actually like the Browns just because we've had that whole loser thing going for us for so long. Yeah. Uh, well, now we have At least the you... worst quarterback ever. Nobody's going to like us. But... <laughs> well, 20, well, that's nothing new. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's just, let's wrap up the league. Uh, what was your biggest surprise? Uh, I'd have to go Arizona. Not hmm. because I didn't see them being good, but I didn't see them being an 11 win team with all they lost at quarterback. Yeah. 
And I think that the fact that they stood in the race, that they held off San Francisco and St. Louis in a very tough division, and went toe-to-toe with Seattle, I, I would say they were my biggest surprise. They won 10 games the year before, so they didn't come out of nowhere. But I would say the, that, that Arizona definitely surprised me with the way that they hung around after they lost Carson Palmer and then Drew Stanton as well. Yeah, definitely. Bruce Arians definitely deserves his second coach of the year oh, that he won. Mo- most definitely. There's there's not, not a doubt. Yeah. I think my biggest surprise is, was just the AFC in general, the, the amount yeah. of talented teams that they had. And I'm talking about Cleveland, Buffalo, Houston – the AFC North in general, just the surprises and, and, and the success that all those teams had, particularly Cleveland and Buffalo, those are mm-hmm. perennial bottom feeders, and they were able to to have two really intimidating good defenses and some playmaking on offense for, for a change. And mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a year where Tom Brady is another a Super Bowl MVP again, it's good to see that there are some teams that are up and coming, not named the Patriots without a Manning at mm-hmm. quarterback. Right, and uh, or or the Colts uh, lucking into that number one pick at yeah. the perfect yeah. time. I still hate that, by the Me way. Too. They get they get Peyton Manning for fifteen or years, and now they're going to get luck for fifteen years. It's just not fair. Yeah, that's. I don't know what they did with Karma to get that, but good for them. <laughs> Biggest disappointment. But, uh, it's a tie for me. I'm going to go between uh, New Orleans and Atlanta. And honestly, the fact that the NFC South didn't have a team with a winning record is pretty bad. But New Orleans, man, I think they were 6-10, and 10, lost five games at home. Yeah. What happened there? And Atlanta was my bounce-back candidate because yeah. I didn't think that they'd be as bad as they were last year. And they once again just kind of, you know, didn't live up to the talent they have on that roster. So those those two teams would be my big, biggest disappointments. Definitely. I would, I would, two strong candidates right there. Uh, I'll go with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of imploded on themselves. Uh, the Seahawks should take a look at the San Francisco 49ers and try and, and combat some of the things that, that blew that team up. Obviously, losing three of your four – I'm, I'm sorry, losing all three of your all-pro linebackers hurts not having them in the mm-hmm. lineup. But that team was way too talented to be as inconsistent as they were this year. Kaepernick is kind of regressing. Vernon Davis was non-existent. Michael Crabtree was really disappointing. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it resulted in Jim Harbaugh getting fired. Or, I'm sorry, mutually well, resigning. Excuse me. Mutually parting, <laughs> yeah, ways. mutually parting ways with a fat yes. contract at Michigan waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is though, Anquan Bolden was pretty much their their only reliable offensive weapon. Frank Gore kind of had a iffy season. Though Carlos Hyde is a young up and comer, he ran well when he got the chance. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers definitely. I mean, when you go to three straight NFC Championship games and don't even make the playoffs, even if they did finish eight and eight, uh, it is very disappointing. Yeah, uh, and to get embarrassed by Seattle twice was right. Probably the lowest of the lows. Oh, and that San, oh, San Diego yeah. game where the Philip oh, Rivers yeah. just went beast mode on them. Yep. Yeah, very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, but. Next year, man, 
We're going to do a really early prediction. Who do you got? Who do I have in the Super Bowl? I think Seattle's going to be there again. The Wow. Yeah. I, I, That's a very bold prediction. Yeah, I know. It hasn't been done in a long time. Three, Buffalo. Three in a row, yeah. But if they are good, and with San Francisco rebuilding and – Arizona still without a quarterback. The NFC West is pretty wide open for them. If they can maintain a home field advantage, they have the best home field advantage in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they have a lot of cap issues they have to solve. They have some draft. Uh, they're handicapped in the draft again. Um, mm-hmm. But I see them being there. The AFC is, is the question. It's it's a lot more wide open than the NFC, I think. Uh, I'm gonna say Seattle, Seattle, Baltimore. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I like the Baltimore pick actually, because I actually think Baltimore was the uh, was was a probably the second best team in the AFC in hindsight after seeing what we saw in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, you know, with with Joe Flacco always showing up in the in the postseason, that's a solid pick. Um, I see there are questions around the Patriots because that secondary uh, with Revis uh, and Browner, they they may not bring them back next year. Who knows what's going to happen there? Right. But I actually think the AFC is not as wide open as the NFC. I think the AFC has the Patriots as the clear-cut kings with the Ravens challenging them, yes. But I would be... If we're going to do a preseason... A a pick the day after the Super Bowl, which I think for both of us, if it hits, you'll get mad props. But we won't hold it against you if it does. There's a whole off-season of transactions and retirements and injuries to to wade through so i'm gonna stick i'm gonna go with the patriots call it a little biased i am a fan but i just see them being as the clear-cut kings right now especially with denver some questions there too yeah nfc i think the packers are going to come back pissed as ever and i think that they are going to be very motivated to erase what happened in the NFC Championship game. I think deep down they thought they got to wonder what could have been. They beat the Patriots in the regular season. They had Seattle dead to right. They could easily be an Aaron Rodgers crown fest as a two-time Super Bowl winner as opposed to Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to come back focused, more focused than ever to, to really capitalize on this window that it's been a while i mean 2010 was their title and and it's been for now five years so they they don't have forever to do something i'm gonna go patriots packers in my re- way too early super bowl pick <laughs> can't argue with it uh can't argue yeah. against those two quarterbacks if you have those two guys anything is possible for sure right i'm i think i'm taking the super bowl victory the patriots and tom brady winning as an end of an era and I'm ready for people other than named other than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning to to get the spotlight and I'm tired of both you're not of them. ready for pay you're not you're not tired of Peyton. I, I am I am I am I'm tired of both of really? them 
yeah, I, it's just time to move on. I want to see the next generation get their spotlight, and I want to see what they can do. I'm tired of of those two just hogging it all. And so I, what I really would like to see is both of their teams just not not competing for for the AFC championship. But they're gonna, they're both going to be I, there. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a better chance that the Broncos fall than the Patriots. Cause I, only because what we saw of Peyton Manning in the second half last year, if he comes back, he could easily hit the wall earlier. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks about that. Definitely. Um, now I'm not saying the Patriots are invincible, but, again, if we're doing way too early stuff, they change the coach, they, you know, all that stuff. Though I think Gary Kubiak's an excellent hire. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's going to be uh, – Hey man, just get used to Andrew Luck dominating because that's the next yeah. guy to come well, up. Well, Seattle, Baltimore, New England are the best drafting teams in the league, so they'll always be there, no matter what. I, I yeah, I would agree with that. Right now, those are the three best. Yeah. And, and Cleveland. And Cleveland. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well. That was a pretty successful first podcast, I would have to say. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully we've uh, impressed our view, our, our listeners enough to come back next week for some more. We'll, we'll, we'll branch out from the NFL. It's hard not to you know, talk about the NFL when, when you're following up the Super Bowl here, but we will branch out in other sports as the uh, offseason progresses. Pitcher and catcher is about to report. we got some NBA action. Uh, being Cleveland fans, we're going to talk a lot about the Cavs, of course, but we won't shortchange anyone else. So uh, to all you out there, thanks for giving us a chance. Thanks for giving us a listen. And uh, come back next time for another edition of What Are You Talking About? Uh, Take care, guys. See you, Chris.